Okay, so I don't have a watch today, so I don't know what time it is. So in about 25 minutes, if somebody could raise their hand, then I'll ignore you, and I'll keep preaching till I'm done. <laughs> and then, but the good news is I read the book of Acts recently, so somebody like falls out the window and dies, I know what to do, okay? We don't have to worry about that, okay. So, and um, yeah. Okay, so we're going to start out in verse 1. So I'm going to go ahead and read through the passage real quick. So it was as the multitude pressed about him, Jesus, to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret. And he saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we've toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled the other boats so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will catch men. So when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. <clears throat> so here we have, did anybody watch the um, World Cup? You saw some of the soccer thing going on, right? And the crowds there, massive crowds, right? Even back in the home country, huge crowds. Just, and so it's it, it, kind of imagine that. So Jesus is, is, is teaching the word of God. And when Mark, in the book of Mark, it says that the crowds would just push him to the point to where he, he could get crushed if they didn't have a boat waiting for him to get onto the boat. So he'd get onto the boat and he'd go ahead and teach from the boat. And then people could hear him. He'd take the, the position of a rabbi and sit down while all the disciples stood up and listened. And then he'd go ahead and teach him. And so while he's doing that, he's doing that in Peter's boat. And so um, Peter, they fished all night, right? They didn't catch anything. So now they're washing their nets, just like dishes. You wash them when you're done, right? And so fishing's over, and uh, they're washing their nets. Jesus is in the boat and uh, teaching. And then all of a sudden, and then Jesus says to Peter, launch out and let down your nets for a catch. So, by the way, what I'm going to do is we're just going to go through the passage. I've studied this passage three times now for this, mess, for this message, and each time I, like, get a new message out of it. So we're just going to go through the whole passage, and I'm going to toss out applications, okay? So, so an application, in the middle of your busyness, listen for God's rhema word to you. So there's two different words for word in the New Testament, and both of them are used in this passage. The first one is, is word, logos, that Jesus does. He teaches the masses, right? He sends the word, the logos, the, the bulk teaching that he's got. He puts it out for everybody to hear. But then when he gets to, when, when he gets to this point, it says in a couple of verses, you know, after verse 4, I think it's verse 5, it says that, um, that, that it's the rhema word. Jesus has something specifically for Peter. Right? It's, it's not for the rest of the crowds now. This one's for Peter. And so he says, launch out and let down your nets for the catch. And so, um, it's easy, I don't know, it's just easy to get caught up in the busyness of life. You know, whatever it is that, and I, not necessarily like, you know, oh, your, your role at work. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about whatever it is you, do you do that keeps you busy through the days, right? And so it's easy to just kind of gloss over the big bulk of logos teaching and you don't really hear what the Lord has for you. And so, 
So application number one, amidst your business, listen for God's reign of word to you, because it's usually couched in somewhere in the, the Logos teaching for you, right? And so Peter was just washing his nets, and then Jesus spoke this to him, right? And God's going to speak some reign of words to you today, tomorrow, as you read the scriptures in prayer, those type of things, right? And uh, they're going to be really good for your soul. They're going to be really good for your life, right? So then Peter says, we worked hard all night. And so I'll tell you, planning a church down there, I know what this is like. It's like we put in all of the effort that we had to, to, to try to get this good thing done. So Peter's down there, you know, doing a good thing. He's providing for his family, right? He's, he's fishing. He's bringing in, you know, income for his family. And it's just not working. And so, and so Peter says, we worked hard all night. And I can just relate to that. For me, it's like, I, okay, about a month ago, I'll just toss this in. About a month ago, I was praying and saying, Lord, this thing, why is this thing not working better? You know, why is it not, you know, flourishing? Those type of things. And so I related to what Peter said right here. And I was like, for 10 months, we've done church. For 10 months, we've met it as a core team. We've, you know, built relationships. We've, you know, prayed for each other, studied the Bible each week. We've set up for church services. We've waited to greet the, the few people that come in off the street to visit. I've studied my heart out to preach, right? So why? So I know exactly what this feels like about we've worked so hard to do this good thing, Lord. And so, but all we can do is plant and water, right? So we plant, we water. That's what Paul says. I, I planted, Apollos watered, but the Lord gave the increase. So the increase is up to the Lord. We can only do our part, which is planting and watering. So I know that, and that's fine. But I just feel the need to be as diligent as possible, right? Not to waste the resource of summer months. So we planned our, you know, summer of hustle, and we've been working hard at that and have more to go. So quick story. Um, I just came back from the Four Seas Annual Conference, right, our denomination, which is just a really cool thing to go to if you ever, like, just want to go hear really good, you know, teaching and great praise. It's just a really neat conference with little, you know, sessions you can go to for women in ministry or missions or whatever things interest you, right? So it's really life-giving. It's a lot of fun. But anyway, so I was there and I was hanging out with the church planners and most of these guys have planted churches years ago and like, you know, last five years or so. And the newer ones are maybe like three months old and they've gone from eight or ten people to 65 people. And the biggest um, concern that they had uh, for most of them was, you know, I can't wait for summer to be over because when summer's over, then we can finally get back in the groove. You know, normally we have 65 people, but during the summer months, we're down to 45 because so many people are on vacation. And so that's like their main concern. Um, so then, then they asked me, you know, like, how are things going? And so I said, I, I wish I had that problem. For us, we've got this summer hustle because if we don't take advantage of the summer months when people go outside and we can interact with them, then they'll get in a groove all right and the groove will be, you know, as soon as school starts and the groove will be no church attendance for another nine months. So we've got to do all we can and I explained the summer of hustle and um, I think that they were a little bit changed in their perception of their problem after that. But still, 10 months without increase is a little frustrating, right? It, it can be. And... Um, so anyway, and so I think with, with this, uh, so I came across this passage and said that, and, and then I felt like the Lord was saying, let down your nets for a catch. So that's, that's the reason for this message. Let down your nets for a catch. And I felt like the Lord was saying, okay, now is the time that I want to go ahead and, you know, bless you with being able to actually reach people. So we did the Skylar NVBS, right, for no other reason than to just be a blessing. And the, and the neat thing is, is it looks like there's going to be some neat fruit out of that. Like we had no all, no other intentions except to just bring in BBS and bless the kids, 
And, but then, I don't know, what I did is I started calling the families and to just say, hey, you know, we, I'd like to just sit down with you and talk. Maybe we could pray. I'd like to hear your story, how you're doing. And so we could know how we could pray for you. Because God's got good things planned for you. And if we could help you to get to those good things, then we'd love to do it, right? And do you know out of those about 20 moms, a couple dads, who I called and talked to them about that, do you know how many of them said, said no? No, no. They all said yes. Every single one said, yeah, actually. And it was like they were surprised. They were like, really? Like, you want to hear my story? Okay, sure. And I was like, okay, great. I'll, you know, set up what day is good for you. I'll work with that, you know. I'll swing by in the evening. Me and my wife will show up and we'll bring you out for coffee or something like that. We just want to get to know you. And so the neat thing is God is opening doors. It's just, I don't know, in places where we didn't even really expect, which is just really neat. So... Um, anyway, so they all responded with yes. And um, so we have a lot of coffee drinking ahead of us. <laughs> That's fine. I don't drink coffee, but I'll find something to drink, right? And then this afternoon, we're going to start out by talking with Jasmine. So you can pray for Jasmine, okay? So Jasmine's really neat, by the way. Um, you know, a young mom with two kids, and you all remember Jasmine probably. She stayed with us for two days, and it just seemed like she was really soaking in, in, in the Bible teaching for kids. And so I asked her, Jasmine, do you have a church that you go to? And she said, no. And I said, if we found a way to get you to Arise Church, would you come? And she was so sincere. She said, yeah, I would. And so that's kind of what started this off. So today, later, later today, we'll meet with Jasmine. So it's just the people want to know that you care, right? They want to know that we care. And if we show them that we care, then who knows what God will do after that. Okay, so verse 4 through 5. <clears throat> when, he had, when Jesus had stopped speaking... Um, he said, launch out, let down your nets for a catch, right? And y'all probably know this, that um, in this area of the world, fishing was a nighttime occupation. You went out and you could catch the fish at night, but you didn't go out in the day because that just wasn't when you could really get the fish. And so Jesus is giving Peter some you know, advice on, on how to do fishing, which is his area of expertise. <laughs> so Peter's response was, um, he answered and said, Master, which by the way, that, that word is not Lord. He's not saying Lord. He's not saying that. It's a different word that basically means somebody who's in charge of something, right? He's, he's, it's like he's saying, I respect you, not as a teacher and not as, as, and not as my own Lord, nothing like that. I just respect you because you're an in charge kind of guy, right? So he says, Master, we've toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, we'll let, now, we'll let down the net. And so <clears throat> the application here is faith results in action. Right, So Jesus challenged Peter to, to make a change, to go out in the daytime. A little bit of craziness to go out fishing in the daytime. But Peter says, okay, we'll do it. Right, So faith results in action. You won't see results until you take the action up for that faith. Right, So um, let's see. I've, yeah, yeah. So Peter's basically saying, I know you know nothing about fishing. I've fished my whole life. And I'll tell you what you're proposing is just craziness is not going to work. But it's so adorable that you're here trying to give me advice that I'll go ahead and do it. Because you're a nice guy. That's basically what Peter's saying. How, and how do we know that? Because in verse 5 there, Peter says, I'll let down the net. So how many nets did Jesus tell him to let down? Both. How many did Peter say he's going to let down? One. So Peter's like, this is cute. Okay, we'll appease you. We'll let down a net, right? And so, um, so, so he went in and let down a net. So basically, what, what's going on here is Peter had faith, but just a little bit. He didn't have a whole lot of faith. 
But he had some faith, right? So in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So Jesus had big plans. He wanted to fill both boats, Peter and Andrew's boat and James and John's boat, right? Side by side, they were partners. He wanted to fill both boats. And Peter, Jesus is saying, look, this is going to be a doozy. I'm going to fill both boats. Let's, let's go out and let, bring both nets and let them down. We're going to, it's going to be a doozy of a catch. But Peter's small faith was like, okay, I'll, you know, I'll put my foot in the water. That's, you know. And so the application faith results in action. Take the action that the Lord tells you, and then you'll see the results that he intends. They won't be your results. They won't be my results because Jesus is the one with the plan, right? And then another application, Jesus' methods may be unorthodox, but follow them anyway, right? You can get the best guidance and advice. You can get the best promotion and marketing tips and strategies, and it might work. It probably will work most of the time, but there's going to be times when it just doesn't work. When it does work, praise God for the catch. But when it doesn't work, there's a reason behind it. So it's like Peter saying, I did everything right. I've got the right nets. I fish at the right time. I go to the right places. I, you know, I've got this expertise of this body of knowledge that I use. I fish when the timing is optimal. I did everything right and it failed. So why didn't it work? Because God was setting up Peter for something bigger than a catch. See, if Peter had, been, if Peter had gotten a good catch, then he would have brought it into shore. He would have you know, had to get it to market. He would have been selling it at market and he wouldn't have been there washing his nets, you know, leisurely while Jesus needed somewhere to teach. So there was an encounter that was being set up for Jesus to meet with Peter. If he had been, if he had gotten this big catch that Peter, you know, wanted during the night, then he would have been full and satisfied. He wouldn't have been around or been needing Jesus for anything, right? Sometimes when we read the Bible, we forget there's a backstory. <clears throat> We assume that God had like absolutely no involvement until Jesus walks in the scene right then. But actually, the whole backstory belongs to God too. Everything that it took to get to this point also is God's story of what he's been doing. So um, it's not that God had no involvement. It's that God had the right involvement. So just like we see in the story, Jesus can bring the fish. He can also repel the fish. He can keep the fish from coming into Peter's net or your net, whatever that would be to get you to the point to where you're ready to listen to him, to where you're ready to spend time with him. So God's not just the God of the story, but he's the God of the pre-story also. So why didn't Peter get a good catch that night? Because Jesus was coming to his boat the next day with something better than a catch. And what's better than a catch? I mean, a catch is a good thing, right? Money, right? To buy, buy things, support your family, food on the table, all those things, right? Those are good things, but it didn't work out for Peter because Jesus had something better planned, and what's, what could be better than a catch? A calling. A calling. So, as an example, um, the, um, at the Four Seas Conference, I met a couple, Jared and Stacy Sinkler. So Jared was an oil field executive in North Dakota. His family has massive oil fields, and he was an executive in his family's company. And then he went to Uganda on a mission trip, short-term mission trip, and um, he saw firsthand, you know, his heart was touched firsthand, and he felt like God was calling him to be a missionary to Uganda. And so he started going through and signing up, you know, to be a missionary, and his family said, you're crazy, this is ridiculous, you need to stay with the family business, it's the family business, it needs the family, that's, you're part of it, you know, you're an executive here, we need you. And he said, but God wants me to go do that. And they said, look, we'll pay you enough as you can send four missionaries, while you just stay here with us, the money would that's good money. You could send four missionaries be four times as much as you can do. And he said, but God called me. 
He called me to go. He didn't call me to send four more missionaries. He called me to go. So he went. He got a calling. He had a catch, but his heart was soft enough to where God gave him a calling. So application, sometimes good attempts fail, and that's okay. Maybe you've been trying to do something good and it didn't work out. Maybe it's a job, maybe it's you know a ministry, you know, something not sinful, like you're trying to do a good thing, something benevolent, profit-making, uh, like Peter was trying to do, right? And it, and, and it just didn't work. It seems like failure. But you've got to couch everything in life in Romans 8.28. All things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose, right? I think that's a Bible truth that each of us need to hear a lot because there's so much that gets you know, put upon us as, as failure, when really there is nothing in God's kingdom that's failure. It's just moving forward to his calling or to whatever progress he wants us to make or to get redirected. Anyway, so I think that, so I think that we feel like failures. Off. I felt like a failure with church planning, going down and talking to these four C's guys, you know, who are doing these other churches. And I just felt like, man, I am such a failure at this. I don't even know if I'm good at this. This is, but they're only growth experiences to propel you towards your calling. So, can we have a little bit of, um, you know, action here, like back and forth? Okay. So, you know how, like, if, if you were in court, you'd say, I do, so, you know, I state your name, do solemnly swear, right? That, that whole thing. Okay. So, we're going to do that with this passage because I think that it's beneficial. So, go along with me if you would. So, repeat after me. I state your name. Do believe and accept. That all things work together for my good. Because I love God and I'm called according to his purpose. I just think that's a good thing to tell yourself because guess what? Nobody else is going to tell you that. Is your boss going to tell you that? <laughs> Not a chance. <laughs> is your neighbor going to tell you that? Forget it. Right? So it's a good thing to tell yourself, to tell each other. Anyway, thanks for, thanks for going along with me on that. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, so I felt like a failure. And so, so going there, and then God reminded me, God reminded me of the differences between, you know, Arise Church and their churches. So they're working full time, doing, just doing ministry. And, you know, I'm working full time, you know, in, in the engineering context and just putting the, you know, extra hours that I can in the church planning. So they've got a lot more resources in terms of, you know, personnel doing ministry. And then, and then on top of that, they're in cities that are a lot easier. <laughs> so we're doing the hardest work in the kingdom in the hardest city in America with the smallest group of people that you could just about get, and, but we're still floating, which is really amazing. So there was maybe about a month ago also, there's a lot of ups and downs with church planning. So there's a, a time also when, when, I was, when I was saying, God, I just don't understand. You know, why isn't this thing working again? Right? Okay. Up, down, up, down. That's fine. And so um, he brought me to the passage where Peter walks on the water. And he said, this is what I heard in my heart, you're walking on water. If I wasn't involved in this thing, you would have sunk 10 months ago. I'm the one who's upholding you. You are walking on water. You are doing what's impossible. And you're doing it. Keep focused on me. That's, that's, what, I, that's what I got out of it. So, with this thing, you know, the hardest work at the kingdom, in the hardest city in America, with the smallest group of people, 
but God's holding us up. And so then, with the other church planners, <clears throat> sorry, with the other church planners, and so once they heard my story, you know what they said? They said, you're my hero. For me, I've got it so much easier than you've got it. But you are working it. You are, you know, doing this summer of hustle. They're like, you're the hero here. As long as you stay focused on Jesus and keep moving forward, then you're the hero. All things are going to work together for your good. Right? So, application... Maybe to personalize this for you a little bit. Peter failed at fishing the night before Jesus came to his boat, right? And maybe you went through a failure while trying to do a good thing, right? Good work, good ministry, whatever just didn't work out. It might be because Jesus is coming to your boat with a calling. You know, why didn't that job open up for me? I was convinced I should get it, right? Why didn't that ministry work out? I was convinced it was a God thing. Maybe Jesus is on his way to your boat and he needs some empty space to sit in. You know, some of your time. He needs some of your time carved out that it's not busy doing other things. So he can give you a calling. Because he can repel the fish just as easy as he can attract the fish. And so as long as you're full and satisfied, there's no space for him to enter, you know, and, and show you the better deal. <clears throat> verse, and then verse 6 through 7. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish so that their net was breaking. So there's the one boat, net's full, it's starting to break, right? So they signal to their partners in the other boat. They signal basically saying, come and help them, right? And they filled both boats so that they began to sink. So upon Peter putting his little bit of faith into action, the results poured in, right? They caught this great number of fish in the one net. So they had to get the other boat with the other net out there. Okay, so application. If all you have is a little bit of faith, that's enough. Jesus will supply the rest. He just needed a little bit of faith from Peter to, to take a step of action. And then he can take care of all the rest. Right? Jesus has enough faith for all of us, but he needs us to put some feet to our faith. So God may be challenging you to put a little action, to put some action to your little bit of faith. Right? It may just be a little bit, but that's okay. Just put your foot in the water and the Lord will do the rest. He'll lead you and guide you and, and he'll do the rest. So, and I'd love to make, the, oh, I would so love to make the application here to say, you see, down at Arise Church, we're one boat, and we've got this VBS coming, and we're going to need two boats, because there's going to be so many kids we need to fill, you know, both churches, so many families we need to, I would so love to make that application, but you never know what VBS number two is going to look like. So if you're available, I'll, I'll shamelessly put the pitch out. If you're available August 13th through 17th, could you please come and help? We don't know what's, what's, what's going to happen, but we uh, would love to help, and we'll see what God does, right? We're putting our feet in the water. We'll see what, we'll see what God does. He can, he can do that. He can fill every church, which, by the way, I'll just mention, the reason for the Jonah, the Jonah passage um, was just because um, uh, to reach the city of Nineveh, it didn't take a megachurch. It just took one preacher. The whole city got saved with one preacher. So it doesn't take huge resources. All it takes is God's, you know, blessing, God's anointing. Anyway, so then verse 8 through 9. They were astonished at the sight, understanding what had happened. Peter kneels down and, and for the first time he calls Jesus Lord. Kurios, Lord. That's not what he called him a minute ago. A minute ago he said, yeah, 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 you're an, you're an important guy. 
But now he says, he kneels down and he says, You're, he basically calls him his Lord. So, and so astonished at his glory, he kneels down, confesses his sinfulness and inadequacy, and accepts Jesus as his Lord, right? So the application, if we don't see Jesus in this light, then we really haven't had a personal revelation of him, right? Because when there were all these crowds that saw Jesus, they listened to Jesus, they were enraptured by his teaching probably, but... When he, what when Peter really saw who Jesus was, it prompted this action of kneeling down, confessing his his sinfulness and his inadequacy, and calling Jesus Lord. The crowds didn't do that, and so there's something that happens when when we really come to the Lord face to face that that provokes that response. That's the only response that happens when people meet Jesus face to face, right? Like who he really is, because there's. There's so many versions of Jesus being passed around today. Islam has a version of Jesus that says he's going to come back and he's going to convert everybody to Islam and, and execute the Christians who don't convert to Islam. That's their version of Jesus. They believe he's coming. They really do. And he's going to execute the Christians. Um, you know, Mormonism has a different view. New Age has a different view of Jesus. Everybody's got a different view of, of who Jesus is. But the question is, who's the real Jesus? He's the one that causes us to kneel down, to bend over, to prostrate ourselves, to confess our inadequacy because he is so amazingly great that we don't even deserve to be in his presence. But he lets us there anyway. And then to call him Lord, to follow him as Lord. And so if your response to Jesus is anything other than astonishment, you know, confessing of you know, sinfulness, inadequacy, it's anything other than this, then you really haven't met Jesus yet. He hasn't revealed himself to you. So I just pray that God would, that he would show you who he really is. right? Who each, and because what Peter was really doing is he was really asking for mercy. He was saying, Lord, I am like this compared to you and you are like this. And I don't even deserve to be in your presence. And then Jesus responds and says, do not fear. From now on, you'll catch men. That's his calling. Jesus is saying, from now on, you're going to be with me. I'm not rejecting you, Peter. I'm accepting you. I want you with me. So calling comes with seeing the real Jesus, right? And then the neat thing here, the boatload of fish that they caught is representative of the boatload of people that Peter would later you know, lead to salvation in Christ Jesus in the book of Acts. Really neat stuff. The, you know, 3,000 people came to the Lord in, in one day and 5,000 in another day. It's just representative of this huge, you know, nets full of fish coming in and almost sinking the boat. And that's what happened in the book of Acts with the church reaching people, which is really neat. But anyway, in verse 11, it says, they forsook all and followed Jesus. So the application here, once you encounter the real Jesus, chances are he'll turn your life upside down. Peter and his brother Andrew and then James and John... They all walked away from all their stuff. So the funny thing about a calling is that it turns all of life upside down. You sell the house, you quit your job, you empty the bank accounts to go in that new direction. It takes everything you've got to go in that new direction, right? But after you leave your nets, you find that it actually turned your life right side up. Or as Jesus put it, he who finds his life will lose it. And he who loses his life for my sake will find it. So before the calling, you've got your priorities and everything in life makes sense based on those priorities. But after your calling, you have newer and different priorities and everything makes even more sense. You see through a new lens that you didn't have before and you have more peace in your life than you ever had before, more joy, more hope, more sense of purpose. So that's just a little bit about this passage. And I just think there's so much great stuff in there. There's more to learn. That's just what I've heard over the past few days.
And so we're going to go ahead and pray. And I'll pray for some of these things. Um, if you would like to pray with me, if there's anything in here that you'd like, you'd say like, hey, can we talk more about this? Or I'd like prayer in this area or whatever. I'd love to pray with you. We just appreciate everybody here. So, okay, so let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you. We give you all the glory and honor and praise. And we thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to break into our lives. Thank you for the times that you provide good catches to sustain us. And thank you for the times when you don't. So you can make room for yourself and the calling that you have for each one of us to follow you in whatever specific way you choose. I just ask, Heavenly Father, that you would bless every single person here. That your hand would be upon every life and that you would bring an increase in joy and in hope and in peace and in love and in reconciliation with you and with others and that you would shine your light so brightly through every person here that it would be blinding to the, to the, the outside world, that they would say, wow, whatever you've got, I want it. And if anybody hasn't just encountered you and your glory, we just ask that you would show yourself to them in that way. Help them to make space for you to speak your rhema word into their life and then reveal your glory to them, to each one of us over and again. We thank you for your goodness. We pray for Pastor Jim and Carol. We just ask your blessings upon them as they uh, travel and uh, return. We ask your blessings upon all those in the church who are traveling and uh, that you would just keep each one safe. We pray that you would just fill each one of us with your presence. Lead us in your way and in your truth. Open our eyes to see, our ears to hear. Form us as you see fit. We love you and honor you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.